Raise your hands to Jesus. Abba, Father, we lift you up high and we exalt your mighty name. And we declare that you are worthy of all the praise and all the glory. You are worthy of our heart's cry as we sing to you this morning. And decree and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We pray for every need, physical and mental, emotional. Father, we praise you that you have drawn each and every one here this morning to receive a touch from the hand of the Master. That you are the same one who walked the shores of Galilee, healing the blind, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead. You're the one who breaks bondages and you're the one who still sets free today. And we lift up and exalt the mighty name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We come before you, Father, and this morning we bow our knees to the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord over America. We exalt the holy written word which our forefathers established our laws upon, that it is not the Quran. This country is not for Islam. It is not for error. It is not for hate. But this nation's been dedicated to the glory of God our Father, in whom we trust our God, our God. His yes. name is not Allah. His name is Jehovah. Yes, His name is Yahweh. His name, He is the El Shaddai. Jehovah Tiskunu. Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we exalt the word that the Father gave through His holy prophets. It was not some psychiatric, wasted, false prophet. But it was the men and women of God who was moved upon by the Spirit of the living God. And Lord, no matter how many knees bowed in the mall, there are knees bowing to you every moment to praying for this nation. And whatever Islam and whatever was read out of the Quran facing our capital and our White House, that land is drenched in the blood of our forefathers. And the words of 50,000 Muslims cannot overrun the words spoken by George Washington. Abraham Lincoln and the forefathers of before because the word of the Lord is eternal Father you said in your word that heavens and earth will pass away but you said not even a comma or a period of the written word of God is going to pass away so I don't care if 50,000 false prophets of Baal bowed and decreed and proclaimed that the spirit of Muslim and Islam is moving to the capital. I don't care what their voice is decreed. We decree today that Jesus Christ is Lord over the White House, the state capital, Congress and Senate, our senators, our congressmen, our governors, and Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father and the written word of Jesus Christ. Say to the spirit of Islam, the blood of Jesus Christ is against you. We say to the Quran, the word of God, the covenant of God, sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ, is 
victory. Give the Lord a praise. Come on and give the Lord a praise. Give the Lord a praise. Give the Lord a praise. Oh, I will rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I will rejoice. The one who gave his life for me, who shed his blood to cleanse me and wash me free. I will raise my voice to the one who breathed life in me, life that he gave me abundantly. I will raise my voice and exalt the lamb who endured the shame, who endured the pain, who paid the price to set us free through the glory of his father, through the death, the burial and resurrection, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We exalt you on this morning. We praise you that this is holy ground, hollow ground, not defiled, but holy and precious to you. As we give you glory and praise in the name of Jesus. Turn to somebody next to you. Just hug their neck and shake their hand. Tell them I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Just tell them I bless you in the name of Jesus. Hosanna on high. Hosanna on high. Let's give the Lord a big hand and let's pray. Hallelujah. We're glad you're here this morning. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I know you may be wondering what's all the, a little bit of this camouflage going on. Well, you're going to see in a few minutes, but hallelujah. Don't judge us because we're dressed down today. Hallelujah. For some people, they say this is dressing up. Hallelujah. But we're just glad to see you. We welcome you here. We're so glad you came to worship the Lord with us today. And we're going to have a great time. How many are visiting us for the first time? Anybody for the very first time? Right here. Hallelujah. Got a whole family right here. Over here. Got some hands back there. God bless you. Over here. Right here. God bless you. Good having you. Good having you. Hallelujah. God. Hey there. Good to see you, Jerry. God bless you. You ain't visiting us. You're one of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We welcome you. Let's welcome all our visitors. And we're glad to have you today. We bless you. Hallelujah. If you have your, the Bibles, I want to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I want to share something with you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1. I don't know how many of you uh, were here Wednesday night. I might have heard us by webcast, but... Um, you know, they were saying about 50,000 Muslims got in the mall and was having their, their holiday of prayer Friday. And we had a day of fasting Wednesday and Friday. And then Thursday night was National Day of Prayer on the website from 6.30 to 8. I don't know if anybody participated in that. But it, it, it was awesome. And one of the awesome things about it was uh, they had 
Cindy Jacobs and Lou Ingo and Tony Perkins and uh, Sister Dobson and so many others. But they, you might have heard about this young girl who uh, accepted Christ and was, was rejected by her family and her life was threatened. And uh, they let her pray. And I'll tell you what, out of all, that girl could pray. And Sister uh, Dobson got up and says, Lord, we want to thank you for what Islam is shaking us into that we can get down to business and pray as we the church is called to pray. And so we've been praying and we know that God is using everything right now for his good, for the good of the church because the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, I want to read this to you in the Living Bible. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, boy, aren't you glad when somebody finally includes the women? Amen. Amen, sisters. A lot of times you hear a finally, brethren. But boy, this man, he must have got married. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, you need to underline that. We ask you to pray for us and pray that the Lord's message, somebody shout out the Lord's message. The Lord's message will spread rapidly. And be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from the wicked and evil people, for what, before not everyone is a believer. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Say amen. amen. And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. And may the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. What powerful scripture. The Lord gave this to me yesterday. And you know, we, there's so much emphasis and it's so important about the church praying more than ever. But there also needs to be an emphasis that we pray that God's message spread rapidly than before. And some of these words in the Greek, the word finally, if you take your notes, the word finally in the Greek means for the issues that are at hand. That word finally means all of that for the issues at our hand. And the word pray there means continually without stopping. And the word for means the things that are around us and about us. It doesn't say complain. It doesn't say give into the spirit of fear. It says pray about those things that are around us and concern us. And it says that the word of God will have free course. And this in the Greek means that the word of God, which originates from God, will not be tampered by the mouth of the understanding of man. But the word of God that we are commissioned and imparted with be given truly as a word from God and not of man. And that the word be glorified. And that word glorified, I love this. If you don't write anything else down, the word glorified there means that the word of God triumphs as the arrival of the glory of God to impact territories where the word of the Lord is heard and received. That the word of God, the glory of God, impacts territories. That's what that word glorified means. Impact territories. Impact New York. Impact New, uh, California. Impact the East Coast to the West Coast, from the North to the South. That the glory of God, which is able to change and transform, be the impacting power that the church is looking for and desiring. 
That there is a people, a remnant, who is raising up not comfortable about religion and tradition or that which pleases the ears of man, but a people that are on fire for God, crying out that the glory of God impact our region, impact our area, impact our lives, impact our homes, impact our schools, impact our marriages. Because how many of you know the messages on the news are very impacting to the American people? And they believe what they hear and they act upon what they believe. We got to pray that there's the voices of God receiving the uncontaminated, glorified word of God that is able to build you up and able to cause you to stay free from the fear of the things that come against you or come or rise up against you, that you're able to stand strong in the Lord as we read here. And that we pray and we believe and we receive, not just hear, but receive the word of God, that it will transform regions, that it will transform the 60% of poverty rate in our area alone with all the hungry children not eating on the weekends. That it will impact the churches and impact the area of missions and impact the uh, worship and the praise and the glory in the church of Jesus Christ like never before. That in these days, that even those who are Christians in the realm of politics and in public view and in Hollywood or wherever it may be, may they not back up from proclaiming and decreeing the truth. There be a new courage and a boldness in this hour for every American, but for every believer, standing for morals and righteousness and truth, and we will not back down. That we will continue to believe and stand strong on the truth, for only the truth is going to save America. But we got to pray that the truth rapidly spreads. We got to pray that the message of Jesus Christ and the gospels we shared on Wednesday night through the letters of Paul and Romans, that the gospel, the gospel, is able to save souls and even save a nation, will spread through America like wildfire. That the fire of God will consume our country. So that's what I commission you with and I encourage you about today. And also, as uh, we get ready to go ahead and get into the uh, offertory, you've got bulletins on your seats. I encourage you to take these bulletins. And I've given you a, a seven-day vow, a seven-day uh, d- devotional for singles and married people, and I want you to take the bulletin. They're yours to keep. Guess what? They're free. So take them. Some people take them to work and give them to friends. But also inside, you'll see a a little insert about we're believing to pay off our land, and how many agree with us? The land right here between us and the hotel, we've got to pay that off so we can build. First things first, we pay the land off, then we build the building for the youth and children and commercial kitchen and Get ready to feed the poor and feed you too. And exalt the name of Jesus. But we want you to pray. There are people who have been given $25 a week, $5 a week. We want you to pray. We want to ask you to pray, to give above your tithes, $5, $10, whatever you can do, $20, $9,000. Hey, God bless you. I, I see that hand. And, and uh, by faith. <laughs> and that we pay that land off and... I just want to praise God that this month we were able to pay that land to a point to where this building is not collateral for the property anymore, that this building's been loose as collateral, and all we owe is that land, and we don't have that. Amen. That's a, that's a blessing. Woo. Hallelujah. That's a relief. Thank God. 
But God is so good. So ushers, would you come forward? Make your checks out to Word of Grace. If you're giving cash, there's envelopes in front of you. I want to give you a chance to get it prepared. Uh, the last few weeks, people have been giving me their tithe at the back door. And that's, I don't want nobody talking. So uh, we're going to give time. Ushers, take your time. Take your time. Look at everybody. Make sure that the buck is going in front of them. And we'll give you an opportunity to give. But Father, we bless the gift and the giver. And we thank you. You see those who are giving sacrificially. Those who are walking in obedience and giving you what belongs to you, Father. We thank you that you spoke in your word that, Lord, when we release and we worship you with our offerings and tithe, that you open up the windows of heaven and you rebuke the devourer. And, Lord, we need the devourer over America rebuked. We need the devourer and the thief to be rebuked over the areas of our lives. So we sow and we give and we obey, knowing that, Lord, you accept this as perfect worship as we glorify and we thank you and we adore you on this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. God bless you, saints of God. Healing in your glory. Healing in your glory. Yes, Lord. Healing in your glory. Oh, Lord, sing your glory. 
blessed today. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Glad you're here. We're going to have a good time. Going to get in the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Want to start off. How many of you men, I know hunting season starts, how many of you men want to claim one of those? Uh, (laughs) uh, Hallelujah. Man, how many can feel the testosterone already rising up in this building? Man, I saw some noses flaring. Man, I want one of them. Hallelujah. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about the hunt. And I feel that there's something that the Lord's put on my heart that I need to break my series about to share with you today. And just pray the Lord just gives you an understanding and just walk with us and that there be nothing offensive today. But it be very edifying and encouraging to you. But to quote from one of the southern poets of our time, Hank Williams, Jr., He had this song about going hunting, and he said, I'd rather hunt them two-legged deer than them four-legged deer. And what I want to talk to you today about, I'm going to show you out of the Word of God that the word hunt and pursuit is supposed to be every part of our lives, but it's supposed to be every part of our lives in the area of marriage. The hunt and the pursuit is never supposed to end. Now, how many, how many singles do we have in the house this morning? Would you raise your hand? Any singles? Raise them up real high. Keep them up. Any singles? Okay, take, leave them up. Leave them up and look around and see if there's any potential people. <laughs> just, just look around. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, you know you're desperate enough. Come on, look around. This is a good place to shop. This is better than Walmart. Come on. 
You're going around in your cart, you ain't got nothing but apple juice in there, and you're looking around. Come on, raise your hand. Anybody? Okay. All right. How many married folks do we have in the house this morning? Oh, wow. Praise God. Okay, you can put your hands down. How many are wanting to trade yours in? No, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 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 no. We, wanna, no. we don't want to go there. We don't want to trade them in. We want to fix it. Amen. How many ever heard cold plate? Fix it. Well, that's what we want to do. We want to fix it today. But I want to talk to you about a few things and just help you and bless you and give you some words. And this is the reason why. We're, there's a lot of attacks right now on marriages. And if we're going to have a strong America, we can't have a house falling off of the edge. America's built on families. And thank God this ain't a message against hunting, but it's about priorities and about your wife or your husband being number two, God being number one, as the word says, and the mate being number two. And there's a lot of, even the last two weeks, there's been a lot of attacks on marriages, and we've been real busy in different areas uh, encouraging couples and one thing I want to challenge you about, that it seems like towards the end of the year, there's, people say there's a lot of excuses for why marriages are being attacked. But isn't it amazing that football and hunting are towards the end of the year? And we've got to take a checkup and check on our priorities. Because 70% of married men are having affairs according to the latest studies. 70% of men and 60% of women are cheating on their mates in America and that's why the home is falling off and kids are doing what they're doing. Every 10 to 13 seconds another couple gets divorced. And so there's something wrong. And there's some issues that we're not addressing and there's something we're not fixing and there's some revelation in the Word of God that we got to get to. And I want to share with you here a very familiar scripture that you know in Malachi chapter 2. It says, here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because He pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I tell you why, because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife or the husband of your marriage vows. That first part I want you to see, that there's a cutting off, there's a brazen heaven between us and our prayers and our giving. And it's because that there is a problem, there's weeping, and it's not just women who are weeping because their husbands are unfaithful, their husbands are wanting a divorce. It's amazing how many men, we're having just as many men weeping at the altar over their wives leaving them as we do uh, women weeping because their husbands leaving them. And the Lord says, I want you to know that I am a witness for your marriage vows. And that word witness there is very strong in the Hebrew. This is the word that the Hebrew uses. I am the avenging witness of your vows. In other words, God believes in shotgun weddings. <laughs> I'm the avenging witness of your vows. I'm just not witnessing you saying you're, I do. But you're going to mess with me if you mess with her, if you mess with him. Now, what I want you to understand, if you're divorced, 
There is no condemnation. It's under the blood. God does not hate divorcees. He hates divorce. He hates divorce like he hates glutton or lying or gossip. He hates all sin. But when you make a vow in marriage, he wants us to work on it because it's the thing on earth that represents Christ and the body. And he says, I am the avenging witness. I'm watching and I'm taking care uh, and I'm over what you're doing. And it's like, you know, my two youngest boys had a, a, a what, what, homecoming last night. They each had dates. But what I really appreciated about one of my boys had a date with this preacher's daughter. He took her to the uh, homecoming. And the mom and dad came to take my boy out to eat one day because they wanted to meet him before they let their daughter go out with him. And I was real proud of my boy because when they went to the car, he opened the door for her. And I guess she never had it happen before. She still walked around, but the daddy noticed. The girl didn't notice, but the daddy noticed. And of course, mom and dad noticed that there's our boy. That's a gentleman. He's like his daddy. He's a killer. And he opened the door for the girl. And even though the girl didn't see, the daddy sees. How many of you know, even though sometimes other people don't see, God sees even in the area of marriage. And they went out and they went, the girl wanted to go to the mall and that was a big test. And they were sitting in the foyer, Brandon, um, Brandon and, and the dad. And the dad says, you know, I think I trust you more than I trust my own daughter. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is that there's things we do in the hunt of going after our wives and we're the type that we have this thing where once we catch it we don't feel like we have to pursue it anymore it's ours and that's not why the Bible teaches and that's why I want to talk about the hunt today not just the pursuing in the beginning but the pursuing throughout And that's something very important we got to get in our marriages and in our lives he says I'm telling you People are asking, what's wrong? He says, there's a warped belief. In the Hebrew, talks about this. There's a warped belief. You believe that divorce is a relief, but it's a warped belief. Your mate's tears pollute the altar of worship. You're taking heed to the spirit of divorce. Divorce, which is the bad root that grows from a bad spirit. Deuteronomy 24.1 talks about he gave a divorce. But this is what the divorce was about. The divorce was acceptable according to Deuteronomy 24.1. Was when you would get married and after you're married you'd find out there was something wrong with the person you married. Then you say, man, you got a disease. And you'd write a bill of divorce and say, man, I don't want you. You're not what I expected. A lot of times people get married and they really don't know what they're marrying. And they get married and it wasn't what they were expecting. But if you're married today, I want you to know there's hope for your marriage because there's always hope by faith in Jesus Christ. But there are things that we've got to do. We have to be careful and watch it. Not all divorces end wrong. I mean, in, you know, most divorces end wrong in fighting. And the father hearts bleeds because of the children. I want you to, I wanted to read, he says, it's because of your vows. It goes on to say... In Malachi chapter 2, in the New Living, it says, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in a, in a body and spirit you are His? And what does He want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, guard your heart. Say that with me. Guard my heart and remain loyal to the wife of my youth. Verse 16 says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her or him with cruelty. 
says the Lord of heaven's armies. So he says it again, guard your heart that you be not unfaithful to your wife. It says in the message translation, God was there as a witness, an avenging witness, when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride. And now you have broken those vows, broken the faith bond with your vowed companion, your covenant wife. God, not you, made marriage. God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from your marriage? Children. So don't cheat on your spouse. Verse 16. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. God of the army, angel armies, says, I hate the violent dismembering, dismembering, dismembering of one flesh of marriage. So watch yourselves. Don't let your guard down and don't cheat. Amen, church. The Hebrew says that divorce is like getting a bloody coat right out of the blood of someone killed and making them put it on because when you get a divorce, you're like cutting yourself in half. The marriage is a blood covenant and divorce is through the killing and the separating of blood between the bond of spirit, soul, and mind and body. He says, I hate it. And I know you may be here today, and one of the scriptures I want to share with you, Proverbs 25, 11, and 12, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to the obedient ear. In the Hebrew, it's talking about timely advice, counsel. It's talking about never questioning the court of heaven. Now, there's something I want to share with you for just a few moments. 80% of people who go into counseling already have their mind made up that it's over. They're going to go because they want to check it off. This is what I've done so my conscience is clear. I can tell my family, I can tell my kids, I went to counseling, it's done, it's over. But I want to share with you, just for us to be watching and careful, because if we don't want to get all the way of, through a divorce, or, or cheating, or falling in an affair, or, or messing up, tomorrow... Makes 10 years my dad passed away. He died in 99, in September of 99, the 28th. But in 1989, he started feeling a pain in his intestines. He died of colon cancer. In 1989, he started feeling a pain in his intestines. And instead of going to the doctor, he went to a preacher, which I believe in, and the preacher prayed for him and told him everything was okay, and I believe in divine health and healing, I believe in anointing with oil, but he went to, the, doctor, he went to the, the preacher, and the preacher said, you were okay, and him and the preacher both died the same year. And the cancer went from a polyp to a tumor, from the intestine into the liver, from the liver into the lungs, and from the lungs into the brain. Now, in 1989, the time that my dad felt the pain, if he would have went to the doctor, polyps kind of run it in the family, um, I mean, I don't have them. I've done, done the telescope thing, and I'm okay. But if my dad in 1989 would have went and had that checked, and it was maybe one little polyp, he might be alive today. My grandkids would have not have lost him at four years old. My mother passed away in 1984 with breast cancer. In 1982, she found the tumor she was bathing. It was a small little tumor. 
But she didn't go to the doctor until the doctor sent her home to die. The minute she felt that tumor, if she would have went to the doctor, they could have found it and they could have got rid of it. How many ladies we have here are survivors of cancer? Raise your hands real high. We have a few who are survivors of cancer. Let's give them my hand and let's praise God for it. A lot of times people say it's over because they wait till it's too far gone. When, when these problems start coming up, you need to get to it right then. You might not have battled cancer, but everybody owns a car. We just sold a car with a hundred, my wife's car with 130-something thousand miles, but it doesn't leak all and it runs real good. You want to know why? Every 3,000 miles, it got an oil change and tires rotated, and that car was taken to the shop whether it needed or not. There's lights inside of your car that tells you something's wrong. And if you ignore it pretty soon, all of a sudden, you wonder why a rod blew or you wonder why the motor blew. Or you wonder why the car ain't running anymore when you hadn't changed the water, changed the oil, or checked the radiator in a 50,000 miles. And you wonder why now you're broken on the side of the road. You go change the oil, whether you see if it needs it or not. You know it's just something you're supposed to do. If you want something long-lasting, 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 long-lasting. If you want your marriage to last forever, you don't wait till it starts showing problems. The moment it shows the problems, you go get help and you get counseling until you get it fixed. Just like you're not a mechanic, many of us are not mechanics. We can't fix our own car, but how many know we can find a mechanic who can? You may be going some, through something in your marriage right now. You may say, listen, if it ain't fixed, why worry? If it ain't broken, why worry about it? Hey, there's some issues. You're going to have to worry about it. My wife and I, we've been married June, made 27 years, and we dated three years before that. She's my, child, my, my childhood sweetheart. Yeah, my childhood sweetheart. She was my high school sweetheart. But the thing about it is, is that we were married the first few years of our marriage. There was a few times we went to marriage counseling. I'm not ashamed to mention it. I'm still close to the pastor who back in 1983 gave us marriage counseling and gave us some good marriage counseling. When you need something, you get it because the thing about it is God says, I hate divorce. And when you say, I just couldn't live with that woman, how hard did you pursue in keeping that marriage alive? When it started showing signs of problems, did you ignore it and just let it blow up? Or did you say, I'm going to start trying and find problems. The minute we start having problems, we're going to get some tapes, we're going to get some books, and we're going to get counsel, and we're going to get prayer. But we're just not going to keep hearing this rattle and wait till it blows up on us. We're going to fix it when we first, the first time we hear the rattle. Can I hear an amen, church? Amen. This is good preaching. I know you may be expecting something else, but listen, this is where we are today. And listen, if you need help, you need to find help. Before it's too late. Because God gave you that precious woman and that great man you got. Say amen, women. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. But don't wait. Get to it. Now I want to show you some things here. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, for this reason. Somebody shout out reason. A man will leave his father and mother and be united. Say United. United to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Now, I want to share with you, this word reason is the Hebrew word azab. Say that with me. Azab. Azab. It's kind of like wasabi. Wasab. And the word azab, reason, means 
to let go of what you're holding on to and commit to something new. To let go of what you're holding on to and commit to something new. It means to let go of one thing and commit to something else. It means to give, to trust, to pledge, to bind, to surrender, safekeeping, and a pledge of one's life. God is number one and your mate is number two. Now let me share something with you. It says that you're to stop clinging to your parents or anything else and cling to that one you've just given yourself to, you've made a vow to. Now I want you to picture this. Some of you might have seen it on TV. Maybe you've been to a circus. You might have seen the tra trapeze acts where one is swinging from one end to the other and some guy's holding on to the pipe and the rope with his, his, uh, with his legs and somebody else is swinging and they're going to jump up in the air and they're going to grab him. Well, this word right here for this reason means you're letting go of your mom and dad and you're grabbing on and clinging to your mate. And as long as you're holding on, you're going to be safe. The most important person in your life, not that we disrespect our parents, but the thing that you've got to do is you've got to work harder than anything else that right now, I, for this reason, it's in the word of God, for this reason, I will cling. And that word cling means to hold on tightly. Be hard to remove or part with. It means to be stubbornly faithful. Say that with me. Stubbornly faithful. Say it again, man. Stubbornly faithful. Say it, ladies. Stubbornly faithful. Stubbornly faithful. That adulterous woman or that adulterous man comes trying to tempt you and try to uh, take you away from your mate. Stubbornly faithful. You don't get out of my face, I'm going to rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm married. No, I ain't going to rebuke you. I'm going to sick my mate on you. They'll take care of you. It means, it's like the example of two socks. You ever pulled socks out of the dryer and they're clinging together? How many know you've got to keep the electricity in your marriage so that you just don't fall by the side? You've got to keep that clinging. You've got to keep that cleaving that nothing can separate you. Ann Landers said this, neglect the whole world rather than each other. Say with me, the vow of pursuit. The vow of the hunt. You know, we're by nature, you know, just like these hunters are getting ready. They're, you know, if you shoot that deer and it runs off, you're going to keep on after it. And, you know, I hear men, when you start hearing about hunting, men start telling you, man, I want an eight-point this year. I want a deer with a rack like this, you know. And, I mean, they get all excited and they start talking about deer urine and deer corn and squirrels. And, and they just start getting all excited and they start getting ready for hunting season. That's all good. But think about it is, is that many times you hear men more excited about the hunting license than they are about the marriage license. License. Amen to that. Oh God, don't don't amen oh, don't amen me right now. <laughs> Agree in your heart, but don't amen me right now. I don't want to get shot. But it is the truth. Boy, men are stand up for a baseball game, but they won't stand up for when their wife walks in the room. We went to a restaurant a few weeks ago in Baton Rouge, and I went to pull the chair out, and the waitress looked at me like, what are you doing? She was confused because I was pulling the chair out for my wife. We can't ever quit pursuing. We see that song, he pursues me with his love. 
When I get in the presence of God, I put my worship on, I prepare the atmosphere. I got my word, I got my notebook, I got my Bible, I got worship going. I, I got everything in order. I'm preparing the atmosphere to get into his presence. But when I'm getting with my wife, like we're having to go out of town tomorrow, man, I've, I've already got Brian Adams in the car. I got Chicago. Monday we had a date and we met this other couple and he wanted to hear my sound system So he got in my car. He was a preacher a preacher and his wife from another town We went on a double date and so he wanted to get in my car and listen to my sound system And my wife and his wife was standing outside talking and he says I want to hear the sound system So we put it on it was Percy Sledge and So we're in there sitting and I finally say listen, dude, you're gonna have to get out of my car I feel weird me and you sitting in here Listening to a man loves a woman. It's just me and you and our wives are out there, you know, and we're in here, you know, get out my car, man. I feel weird. And he took it real well, you know. But how about that hunt, that pursuing, that you were willing to go as far as you had to go to get to your wife's house, your girlfriend's house back then, your fiance, just to spend 15 minutes with her. It was worth it all. Stay up to 2 or 3 in the morning and think nothing of it. Talk on the phone, smell good, look good, anything, because you want to win him or you want to win her. And it's amazing after years of marriage, if you're not careful, boy, it's easy just to let it all go. I've already got it, so why try? Why tell her she's pretty? Why tell him he's fine, good looking? Why continue talking like we did then? We were kids then. Hey, you need to be kids for the rest of your life. Well, we were young. We didn't know what we were doing. Well, you ought to know more now and ought to even be even better. When we got married, she was like wine in a box. Now she's a bottle, a $63 bottle of wine. I tell the buddies I work with, I tell them all the time, they said, hey, come on. And they never talk about leaving, but I say, stick with it because it just gets better with time. All the changes in life, it makes it better. If you do it right, it's a dream. It gets better with time, like yesterday's wine, oh, yesterday's. It just gets better with time. So don't quit and don't give up. But if you're having problems, you need to work on it and you need to fix it. Amen? Just like if you just let your body go. You just don't worry about your body. I mean, you know, your body, you just keep eating donuts and Twinkies and see what you're going to look like. Neglect your body. And you say, well, you know, I don't care about my body. Yeah, but you know what? I know a bunch of you care about your yard. What you doing today? I'm going to cut my grass. I got a weed eat. I got a water. Neglect your yard and see what it looks like. Neglect your business. Ended up seeing what it looks like. Anything we neglect is going to be overgrown, is going to be abandoned, is going to be destroyed. We've got to keep the pursuit. Did y'all see Huckleberry last night? Did y'all see Chuck Norris? Chuck Norris is going to be 70 years old next month. Whoa. 70 years old. Now, he can't talk and his face is full of Botox, you know. <laughs> but I tell you what, he still looks good. He still works out. He looks good for 70 years old. Man, I want to be like Chuck Norris when I'm 70. Man, I'm going to be preaching to y'all like this, you know. <laughs> Bless God. Hallelujah.